0: And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Yeah, I know, it's been a little while since my last podcast, and I'm a little remiss in not getting things together, but sometimes life gets in the way, and you just have to work around it a little bit. But I am here to give you another podcast and talk about things that are going on around the Walt Disney Company. Primarily, we'll talk about... Disney World, but we'll also talk about Disneyland and some other things that Disney is engaged in that I think are kind of interesting and worth spending a few minutes on. Now, something we noticed over the last, let's say, couple of months is that attendance is down at the Walt Disney World Resort in particular, and Disneyland to a lesser degree. Now, why is that exactly? You know, people asked, well, why is attendance down? And you look around and you realize that there isn't as long a wait for some things, and FastPass pluses are easier to get. And the reason is actually twofold. One is Brazil is in a bit of a recession and uh, there's a lot of brazilian tourists that make their way up to the walt disney world resort over the summer so there aren't as many tourists coming from brazil at this point and so there's a there's a little bit of uh reduction in the number of people that are there also because of the brexit vote that happened earlier this year there's not not as many visitors coming over from britain which is a pretty significant number of them that take their holiday and come to the united states spends some portion of their time at the Walt Disney World Resort, some at Universal, some over at other places, but love to come to Florida in general. And attendance is down among that group pretty universally, primarily because they're losing some of their net assets as far as a country goes. And they don't have as much disposable income at this point based on what happened with Brexit and some of the other uh, things that would naturally happen to a stock market and not having the disposable income in that case. So It's interesting because Disney has really tried to counteract that in as many ways as they can. One of the things they did, I've never seen them do this before, is they started offering special tickets to annual pass holders. So what they essentially were saying was, hey, you can bring a friend and get a park hopper pass for a day for well below what a typical one day pass would cost for one theme park, which is really interesting. I just found that very compelling that Disney was doing that because they don't normally do things like that, but it does show that there's a reduction in attendance. You're also seeing more hotel offerings and more things being offered on a very subtle scale. It's not very overt and saying, hey, come visit our parks. It's really much more subtle, and they're putting things out there and trying to get people to come to the parks. Now, things could rebound and you more, get more British tourists, also may more, get more Brazilians in the not too distant future, but for the moment, that seems to be where we stand. Now, I'm going to go around the theme parks and talk about the various theme parks, and I'll start with the Walt Disney World Resort. Now, I'm going to talk about some things. There's a lot of speculation and innuendo that's happening. A lot of people are dreaming a little bit. So, some of the things I'll talk about are clearly just rumors, some of them are fact based. I'll try and differentiate them as I come to them. First, let's talk, start in the Magic Kingdom. There's a discussion going on about whether Stitch's Great Escape is going to be finally be replaced. Now, if you've never seen Stitch's Great Escape, you've really missed almost nothing. It's a terrible attraction. I've talked about it in great detail on a previous podcast, but when you look at it, you go, wow, this is really not very good. So there's some discussion about whether there might be a new attraction coming there. And one of the rumors is that it'll be a Wreck-It Ralph virtual reality type show as opposed to the uh, Stitch's Great Escape. Now, they may actually keep the building itself intact and do some other things to make it use what, what's already in the building and the size and the seating and everything and do the Wreck-It-Ralph type thing, but it's a really clever idea. I'd love to see them expand on the Wreck-It-Ralph concept that you don't see much Wreck-It-Ralph at the Walt Disney World Resort or Disneyland for that matter. So it would be interesting to see something related to Wreck-It-Ralph. Tomorrowland itself, overall, there's an overhaul going on there. If you hadn't noticed, there's new paint schemes being applied. There's a lot more emphasis being put on things. I think at some point before the next anniversary, Disney is going to come back and say, hey, we're looking at what Tomorrowland's vision was, sort of the vision of the future from the past. And you know, I'm kind of recreating that to a large degree rather than trying to always look forward because it's a really difficult thing and Disney has always struggled with Tomorrowland at both parks and how to deal with it. There's some rumors about some new attractions, perhaps, potentially coming to the Magic Kingdom. Don't know what they are yet, but it looks like, you know, over in Tomorrowland, there's some potential that they may put something over there near the space where Space Mountain is. There's some uh, empty space over there, and they were talking about an attraction potentially in that space. I haven't heard about what that's going to be yet, but there's some rumors and some speculation that perhaps that space could be used to make Tomorrowland a little more compelling in some way. We'll see. We also saw that the uh, Muppets are making an appearance in Liberty Square now. There's a new show that's ongoing. If you walk through Liberty Square throughout the day, there's the Muppets that come up and do some different things, which is kind of fun and sort of interactive and keeps things interesting. So you got to love that. And then also in the Magic Kingdom, we hear that the Main Street Electrical Parade is going to be coming to an end soon, and it's going to be moved back to Disneyland. So they're going to pick it up, lock, stock, and barrel, ship it across country again, and let the Disneyland Resort have uh, the Main Street Electrical Parade again. And that's great. It goes back home. But it leaves the Magic Kingdom in an interesting position of what happens? What are they going to do for a nighttime parade? There's been no announcements to this point about whether they're going to return Spectra Magic or something else is going to happen but sometime in the next couple of months, you're going to see the end of the Main Street Electrical Parade and something else will replace it. I have no doubt that Disney will find something to replace it, but for the moment, they're not saying very much. It's kind of a tight-lipped thing. I'm going to have to see if I can dig around and find out what the next parade is going to be or what they're going to do, but I have to imagine for the anniversary that's coming up, they're going to be doing something special. You just have that feeling that it's going to be something pretty neat. Turning over to Epcot, we hear that over at Ellen's Energy Adventure is going to be replaced at some point. Now, Ellen's Energy Adventure is, it's a 45 minute ride that is a little dated and kind of boring. There's some fun parts to it, there's some interesting things they do, and I like the science behind what they're teaching you. And the dinosaurs are not to be missed, they're terrific. But the show has kind of run its course. It's been the same show for almost 20 years now, I guess. And it's, you know it hasn't really been updated and it's kind of missing some things. The original universe of Energy show that they did there was really pretty good, and I'm sorry that they took that out because I thought it talked about energy in a very interesting way. The only problem was it was very dated to the 1970s, so it's just as well that that one's gone in some ways. But what they're talking about is the potential to put in a Guardians of the Galaxy thrill ride in there instead of this slow-moving adventure through the universe of Energy. And again, it changes the whole nature of what Epcot Center really was all about, that you're not talking about sort of this thought process on understanding our relationship with nature and so forth. Now we're talking about more thrill rides. And I guess that's the way time has evolved. And Guardians of the Galaxy is an interesting story. I like, you know, I like what they've done with it. I like what Disney is trying to produce with it. So it has some potential to be a good attraction. But again, not being somebody who likes thrill rides, that doesn't really work out so well for me. But we'll see what happens you know they may do it they may not but it's an interesting idea they have done some uh, test type balloons to make sure that whatever facade they're going to produce can't be seen from other parts of the park because you're always trying to make sure that everything kind of thematically fits in so the uh, height balloons are have been seen there at various times during the day so we'll see if they actually come up and take out ellen's energy adventure in the universe of energy and change it to something else over in uh, the other side of the park where uh, journey into your imagination is there's some talk about re that ride again, too. Now, what they'll re it to? One speculated rumor is that it'll be an Inside Out type attraction, which makes sense if you're talking about imagination. Inside Out would be a nice tie in there, so I can see why people might think that, that would be the case. Don't know if that's what it's going to be, but I like the concept. I mean, Inside Out was an okay movie, but if you're going to tie it to something, it might as well be something current that's popular, that's kind of interesting, and it would kind of fit there. As long as Figment has a place, I'm good with it. And then over at Interventions, the main area where you have this uh, this long corridor over by where you have Spaceship Earth, most everything in there is now closed. They've pretty much closed it all off except for the character meet and greets they have there. So there's some interesting space that still needs to be utilized in some way. I wonder what Disney will do with it. I don't know. But I'm looking at it and going, wow, there's some great opportunities there to use that space more efficiently do something perhaps compelling or interesting or, you know, have some fun with it. We'll see what they wind up doing, but right now there's nothing there, which is kind of unusual and odd. Turning over to Hollywood Studios, you can look around and see that most of the back lot has been demolished now. So the entire back lot area where you had the uh, lights, cameras, motor cars, where you had the Earful I- Tower, where you used to have the uh, backstage tour, where you used to have the, uh, the residence street, where you used to have the streets of America, all of those things are now gone. Pretty much everything has been torn down at this point, or is in the process of being torn down in preparation for getting the Star Wars land and the Toy Story land out there. So we're getting closer to actually having that come to reality. I'm kind of excited about these two lands. I think they have some good potential. I'm sorry to see some of the things go that were there because it feels like you're losing a piece of history, but that is progress for you. There's The Pizza Planet that was across the way from the Muppet Vision 3D has been closed for some time, but now they've got up signage that it's going to be the Pizza Rizzo, which is going to be a Muppets-themed pizzeria featuring Rizzo the Rat. I find that kind of fun. It could be really neat. I mean, they didn't really do much to it when they changed it from a museum display kind of place to make it the Pizza Planet. So hopefully they'll actually do something this time that captures the imagination a little bit and makes it somewhat Muppet related. I think the Muppets have a nice place there in that space over by Muppet Vision 3D. But in the short term, at least you're starting to put some things around it that are a little bit more Muppet themed. So it kind of becomes a Muppet sort of area in the park, which I think is great. There was a story floating around a couple of weeks ago about uh, Steven Tyler and the uh, rock and roller coaster, and the fact that after 17 years of the rock and roller coaster, someone finally noticed that during the opening scene where they show Aerosmith on the screen, Steven Tyler does somewhat of an obscene gesture. No one noticed it for 17 years, and then someone finally noticed it and they went back and they edited the film. Steven Tyler had a little fun with this. He came back and he, he was wearing a hat that had an expletive on it, and he was doing the same symbol and then flipping off and, you know, showing the middle finger to people and having some fun with it and tweeting out all these pictures, sort of directed at Disney in a way, just basically having some fun with the whole thing. Then the following day went down to Disney World and rode on the rock and roller coaster. Just to show that it was all in fun and in jest. But it is kind of funny how after seventeen years they finally noticed a small thing and then changed something about it to make it work. Kinda of, kinda of weird but interesting and kind of kind of funny. As you may know in Hollywood Studios, one of the things they're gonna do as a part of this whole change is they're gonna make a new entrance. So the entrance today, you kind of have to curl off of World Center Drive, you make this odd turn, and then it's one lane coming into a uh, two-car toll booth. And given the fact that they're going to make a Star Wars land and a Toy Story land, they need to have more uh, access for cars. So they're actually gonna move the entranceway to the other side of the parking lot. So you'll come off of, uh, I think that's Reedy Creek Parkway, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not positive, but I think it is. And that's the, uh, that's the way you're going to make your way in. And they'll actually make road improvements to make sure that plenty of cars can get in at one time. You're not caught in a traffic jam just trying to get into the park. So that'll be a really big thing that they'll be doing. And uh, you'll see that construction going on for a while. So at some point, the old entrance will disappear kind of sadly. It was kind of fun. That's, you know, that entrance has been there since the park opened in 1989. So it's kind of you know has that sort of historical significance to it. But again, it doesn't really matter if they make a better entrance and the park is better, then it's all good. Don't know if you saw this, but there was a Phantasmic uh, show where uh, Dopey actually fell off the upper deck of the boat that comes along, along in the Phantasmic show and landed on one of the characters below. Both got injured, not severely, but uh, they changed the show. So for a while, they haven't had the boat on the, uh, on the show. And it's kind of funny. You know, It's a little bit different show without the boat of all the characters coming across. They still have the characters come out, but they just don't do the boat sequence. Kind of kind of a strange thing, but interesting how they've run that show so many times and it was such an awkward fall. I can't quite figure out what happened that Dopey slipped like that. But fa- thankfully everyone's okay. Over in the animal kingdom, uh, interestingly, they had all this wonderful nighttime spectaculars that they were doing. They had all these ideas for doing all this nighttime stuff. And some of it came to fruition, and the main rivers of light that they had planned didn't work out. They could never get all the floats working. They could never get everything together, so they tried a jungle book show for a while. It was a short-term thing. They did some things on the Tree of Life that were lighting it up in some way, but it wasn't enough to keep people in the park. And so they've decided that they're going to close down all of the nighttime shows and go back to the regular previous operating hours where they go back to like closing at six or seven o'clock around dusk at some point. So I find that really kind of interesting that it hasn't really worked out, um, that they can't figure out quite how to make the, the uh, park compelling. Now, on the other hand, the Avatar Land may make it more compelling, but everyone's asking why isn't Avatar Land finished yet? It's been a couple of years, still looks like it's a ways off, and there was a couple of people that I know who were there trying to take pictures of it from various places, and cast members were going along and asking them to not take photos of Avatar Land from main guest areas, which is kind of odd. You know, they're standing in a, in a place where you're allowed to stand as a, as a guest, but cast members were asking them to please not take pictures of Avatar Land because people are asking questions. Why is it delayed? Why is it so slow? Why haven't we seen it yet? We haven't gotten any general updates other than what Joe Rohde showed us at a couple of the D23 exhibits. But really, other than that, we haven't gotten much. Nothing's ready for preview. We haven't heard about an opening date or even a soft opening date. It looks like a lot of construction is still going on, heavy construction at this point. So you have to wonder when it's actually going to be finished. It's kind of an odd thing that's going on there at Avatar Land. Turning to more of the general property, there's talk about another tower coming into the contemporary hotel. So they have the uh, Bay Lake Towers on the side uh, that's closest to the Magic Kingdom. There's talk about putting one on the other side, closer to where the Transportation and Ticket Center is. don't know if that'll come to pass, but it looks like that's something that they're uh, considering at this point. They're also considering having a Disney Vacation Club over at the Caribbean Beach which would be the first moderate resort to offer a sort of uh, Disney vacation club. So we'll see if they actually do it, because it seems like that's an avenue they want to get into, that every type of resort could have a price point that would work for certain types of guests. So perhaps it would take fewer points to be able to stay at these resorts. I don't know, but it's an interesting thing that they're trying to do. So they're trying to figure it out now. They're going out and they're asking questions, and they're trying to figure out if it's the right thing to do, if it's something that people will want. Now, the thing I I mentioned about the Contemporary a minute ago, about having the potential for another uh, Bay Lake-type tower there, would mean that they'll have to reroute traffic for the Convention Center. Now, the Convention Center has been at the Contemporary since the park opened in 1971. And of course, Nixon had his famous I'm not a crook speech there. What they're talking about now is closing the Convention Center and making that more of a vacation club property all the way around, except for the main part of the hotel, the A-Frame Hotel, and actually moving all of the convention center, the main business that they do, over to the Yacht and Beach Club and building a larger convention center there that can truly handle the kinds of conventions that they have coming in. Not that the contemporary can't handle it, but you have more space if you build up new and you start thinking about infrastructure and the kinds of needs that people have and having the types of conferences that go on today versus the ones that went on 40 years ago. And then finally on the uh, general things, they're finally returning bus service to go between the theme parks and Disney Springs. Now, they didn't do that previously, or they had ceased it for a long period of time, because what was happening was people were avoiding paying the fee to park and actually parking at Disney Springs and taking the bus over to one of the theme parks. What they've done more recently is they've said, okay, we're going to include parking in every type of annual pass. So that way, the general guests who would have may have taken advantage of this system and tried to game it and not pay the parking, now have parking included so that you don't have to worry about them parking over at the Disney Springs anymore. So now you've got the ability to provide bus service back and forth. And of course, Disney wants people to go to Disney Springs because that's where they've got a lot of retail stuff going on. Now, as far as Disney Springs itself, I have to give it sort of a meh. I'm not really excited about it. And the reason is it's missing something. It's missing the story, the the impetus. Why is it there? One of the things Disney is really good about is telling a story and telling us why something exists. If you look at why Pleasure Island was there, there's a backstory. There's a whole thing about why the why the entirety of Pleasure Island was there, and there's a story that goes along with about the man who uh, came there, and there was an explosion, and there was a this, and there were, you know the whole story is there, and you could you could feel it. You know you were there, and you could read the plaques, and you could understand it. Disney Springs, on the other hand, is just a retail outlet. Now, that's not to say it's not beautiful, it's not well-themed, it's not well-thought-out, because it is. It's just kind of odd because there's no story. There's nothing compelling about it that says, wow, this is different from any town in USA. You go there and you walk around, you see the same kinds of stores, a little bit higher end perhaps, that you see in pretty much any mall. It's an outdoor shopping mall. And it's kind of like, wow, okay, where did the thrill go? There was something neat about going to... Downtown Disney that was different. It was sort of, it was very Disney oriented. There were a couple of things there that were a little different. Even when it was Pleasure Island, it was very unique and unusual, but it really was different than it is today. So, my question is since you can find everything there that you can find in the real world, where's the magic? Now, if I could for a minute, I wanted to talk about Disneyland and a couple of things that are going on over there. The Tower of Terror attraction at Disneyland is going to get a makeover and be Guardians of the Galaxy related. Now why they're doing one over the other, uh, why they picked to do it at Disneyland but not at Disney World, I don't know. But it's interesting that they're going to be doing something like that and make it different. So I guess they really wanna have differentiation among the theme parks so you don't duplicate attractions and themes between the various theme parks. If you wanna see this, go to that park. If you wanna see this, go to that park. And so I think that that's where they're going with this and that's why they do it. We hear that the Paint the Night show that goes on at Disneyland will be coming to an end shortly. And because they're getting uh, the Main Street Electrical Parade, it may make sense that they're going to stop doing the show. Now, they haven't given an official date, and they're kind of backing off a little bit and saying maybe they'll keep the show going for a while longer. But I don't know. It's kind of interesting how, they, uh, how they're how they doing that. And then also out there, there's a new parking garage that they're building to try and make sure that they have enough space for all the cars and all the traffic. The number of people that have been attending and going to the uh, Disneyland Resort has been up astronomically. So they have to figure out how to, how to allow guests to get there. And one of the things they're doing is they're increasing the price point enormously. Another thing they're doing is they're taking away some things, right? They realize that you have to take away a hotel to build a parking garage because you only have so much space. And in doing so, you may have fewer people staying on property, but you have more room for cars. You know, goods and bads, I guess. But it's, uh, it's the way that they set it up. So now I'd like to turn outside of the theme parks for a minute and talk a little bit more about Disney in general. And, uh, well, a couple of things come back to theme parks in some ways. So first off, you had a man that was arrested for impersonating an officer. He was trying to enter the theme park carrying a concealed weapon. And the rules are very clear. You cannot carry a gun onto Disney property. End of story. In Walt Disney World, it's strictly forbidden. You can't carry a gun. Even though Florida has a concealed weapons law, Disney is exempt from that, so don't try and take your gun onto Disney property. You can keep it in your car, you can keep it in your hotel room, but you can't take it into the theme parks. So uh, a man was asked about the gun that he had on him when he went through the metal detector, and he said, oh, I'm, an, I'm a police officer. And they asked for some identification. He couldn't produce any. Then the sheriff's office investigated a little bit and found out the man was lying. So they arrested him for impersonating a police officer. Kind of an interesting little thing that's going that happened there. Uh, I did want to say something about the... Um, that the unfortunate death of the of the toddler over at the Grand Floridian Resort. That, that was a very sad thing that happened, and, I, and it's very unfortunate. Disney did what they thought was right at the time by dealing with the alligators and the way they dealt with them. It's unfortunate that something happened. You know, you get in the Disney bubble and you think to yourself, nothing can happen to me. And, of course, you're still in an environment where there's nature and there's still people around, so there's still the possibility that something could happen. So it is really sad that it happened. I will give Disney credit for, after the fact, coming back and making changes—significant changes—to all the beach access areas to make sure that guests stay out of the water or stay away from the from the shoreline where the there's potential interaction with nature in a very bad way. So, I, I'm glad to see that they're at least responding to it. I'm just sorry that it didn't happen sooner. That uh, something something tragic had to happen before they could do that. You know, it's it's such a you know mixed feeling I have. You know, Disney's trying to do the right thing, and the family's just there enjoying themselves. And you know, it's just a weird, weird thing. I don't even know what to say about it. Um, so, uh, there's some other things going on. Disney is going to introduce, apparently, a new type of Magic Band, a different uh, shape to it. So basically, you have a band, and then you have a little device that goes on top of the band. So that way, you can replace the band along the way and just have the one device rather than having to always have. The, the band be the controlling unit You would have this little unit that would be on top So they're, they're trying to come up with the right design for that That would actually work So look out for that That The magic bands will probably change over the next couple of months There's also this, this interesting discussion That's been going on about Uber and Disney So there were some drivers who were driving for Uber Who were picking up guests at various places And taking them wherever they wanted to go And uh, Disney kind of had some issues with that That people were driving around and dropping people off And whatever and the number of Uber drivers that were being called was actually kind of small. And there was Uber itself was doing some things in its app at Disney's request to try and restrict the number of users who could come in and drive around. So there was some, some something weird going on there. I, don't, I can't say exactly what it was because I don't know. But Disney turned around and said, we're going to offer an Uber-like service throughout Disney so you can call up uh, basically a concierge. It would be a cast member who would come and pick you up and take you where you want to go. Now, so far, they haven't said they'll take you to a theme park, but they will take you to different destinations around the resort. And the concept is good. I'm not sure how it'll work out. You know, it's kind of like, why wouldn't you just take the bus? I guess some people want the personalized shuttle service and they're willing to pay for it. And I give Disney credit for trying to come up with a means to accommodate them. I did hear that Disney is going to start charging for wheelchair use. They're going to charge a $12 per day for, for the wheelchair plus a deposit that's refundable. So it just feels like it's sort of nickel and diming to a large degree. You know, where did it, when did it come to this where everything feels like it has a little price point associated with it? It just feels kind of strange to me. Now I wanted to turn a little bit and talk about some of the technology that's out there. Some interesting things, some, a couple of patents that have come up. Uh, one of them is Disney has patented something for the lightsaber and this is a very cool thing they, they patented something that becomes sort of a lightsaber and what it is is it's a a device that's uh basically a uh it's got a bunch of electric it's got a bunch of sensors on it they can take a laser and actually take that laser and redirect it and so they can you can actually uh, do some things with it so if somebody shoots a laser at this at this stick with sensors on it you can actually uh, get the effect of having a lightsaber that you're using a lightsaber so it can make sounds and it can actually deflect something. So if you're essentially shooting a blaster at it and you are able to deflect it, it could actually show it as light coming away and give give you the directional things that you would expect. It's a very clever piece of technology that they've developed that they've gotten a patent on. And I wanna see how they're gonna use it, but it certainly seems like that would be the kind of thing you would expect to see in a Star Wars land when they actually come up with something that's kind of a cool idea. You can actually use a real working lightsaber, or at least it feels like it's working to you, because it can actually uh, turn and you can hit you can hit another target, and it'll it'll sense it and it can actually sense when it's and it's touched as well. I'm like, this is really really cool in a virtual reality sense. Beyond the blaster, of course, you could actually attack something that's a virtual reality thing, and it would actually sense when it's there, and then it might react to you. So very cool. Um, I think the technology is, is really interesting, and I think Disney is on to something there. Disney also came up with a uh, patent for recognizing footwear as it goes around the theme parks. Now, this is kind of a strange one. I, I saw it for the first time, and I was like, why would they care what footwear and where people are in the park based on their footwear? And at first, it seemed like everybody, everyone would have to register their footwear, but I think this is about a bigger picture type item. You know, maybe it's good for the theme park, but it could be useful a lot of other places as well. So you could track where did a guest go. And if you were tracking the, the cast members and their shoes and what they're wearing, you could look for other shoes that are out of place. So you could actually see where, where guests are that they don't belong. Now, there's a one thing I read online that was uh, some, somebody said, Disney has taken the quote, you can judge a man by his shoes far too seriously. So much so that it is patented technology that judges visitors to Disneyland based on what they're wearing. But it's all for good with this technology. Disney intends to identify and track its visitors based on their footwear so that it can provide a more customized experience to visitors. As a person enters the theme park, cameras and, and sensors capture images of the person's shoes. Visual features such as the color scheme of the shoes, brand, and model of the shoes are identified, and then sensors placed in the ground also capture the shoe size and tread design that provide more detail about the shoes. Once this is done, the system associates personal details such as name, interests, and so on with the shoes. Later on, as the person moves around the theme park, cameras and sensors located on the ground capture images of the shoes and readily recognize the wearer. By knowing what the interests of the person are, a customized experience may then be provided like presenting a particular media content. In other words, this technology literally follows in a person's footsteps and ensures that no matter where the person is within the theme park, a customized experience is provided. And that's not all. Depending on what you're wearing, this technology is also designed to compliment you on your shoes. As compared to current invasive methods, such as retinal and fingerprint identification, to acquiring guest information, the patented method provides a non-obtrusive method of identifying guests and takes it a lot further. And as I say, this goes a little bit closer to Disney owning some technology. It's not just about the shoes, it's not just about the magic bands and so on. The magic bands are one way to do it, but some people opt out of the magic bands. This is one way you can get everybody to opt in because everybody's wearing shoes. And just by entering the theme park, you're looking at everybody's shoes. Look, I don't like wearing the Magic Band most of the time. I don't wear it all the time. So instead, I tend to carry around the plastic RFID card. But I could could wear the Magic Band, of course. I just choose not to. Disney also received a patent on a particular type of drone. This drone would be a series of drones that can go along and produce a pattern in the sky and could also do some fireworks-type technology from the drone itself, rather than having to launch it from the ground, it could actually do some things where it's dropping it from the drone. And the drones with lights on them and so forth and certain patterns could produce something that's akin to a nighttime show that's of a whole different variety, a different style of show that they would put together, where they'd have something in the sky that was really interesting and could move around in different patterns, and you wouldn't always have to be launching something from the ground. So in places where maybe you don't have the ability to launch fireworks, like, say, the Animal Kingdom, for example, this might be an alternative because it's a much more quiet way to produce something that's visually stimulating in the sky and does something and follows a certain pattern and, ha- and looks a certain way. So you could potentially do something that's really interesting. And now they own the patent on that. So it allows them to foment that technology and just really bring it to- together and do some interesting things. And then finally, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was this thing called uh, BAMTECH. And BAMTECH is a... Um, technology that uh, the Major League Baseball was interested in. Major League Baseball's Advanced Media is a full-service solutions provider delivering world-class digital experiences for over 10 years and distributing content through all forms of interactive media. Our digital leadership and capabilities are a direct result of an appreciation for designing dynamic functionality for web, mobile applications, and connected devices while integrating live and on-demand media, providing valuable products for millions of fans around the globe. So this BAM tech is really kind of interesting because they they partnered, Major League Baseball and Disney have partnered together to come up with this this idea for BAM tech. And it'll allow them to do more streaming type things uh, as they get into the the business of ESPN doing more and becoming more of a, a service, uh, a streaming service rather than just a TV network. It becomes much more interesting and compelling. They could put more content with more rich data Behind it, online somewhere. You could actually be a part of the sport rather than just watching it from a distance like the old broadcasts. You know, you think about broadcasts from 30 years ago where it was just they were showing you the broadcast of, say, a baseball game. Now they've got some things where you've got the baseball game going on and there's, they're giving you real-time stats. They're giving you all the up-to-the-minute numbers about every player. They can tell you about everything. They give you the strike zone on there. They can tell you whether something's fair or foul. They can tell you how many feet that home run went. All of those things have been huge advancements over the last 30 years think about what you could do next you could take that to real time type of information so rather than them feeding it to me i could select it hey what was this guy's batting average against left-handed pitchers with runners in scoring position you know ridiculous stuff where i could i could retrieve the content rather than them feeding it to me and i could really do some interesting things so then i can make it real time and i can use you know i can uh, be on social media and doing things with it and really taking it further than i've ever done before And I just think there's some interesting uh, possibilities there as far as Disney is concerned because they can use that ESPN piece of the media to really grow that. And with these relationships they have with football and baseball and other sports, they can do more with it. So Disney, I think, owns something really interesting or has a stake in something really interesting that can move the needle on sports broadcasting. So I'll be curious to see what they do with it. Well, there you go. That's a lot of news, information, updates, and other things that are happening around the Disney company, and I wanted to share those all with you and uh, give you a sense of what's going on. We've you know, we missed out on a lot over the last couple of months without doing a news segment. Disney is just continuing to move the needle and keep trying to do new things, and I'm really impressed by what's going on and continue to look forward to seeing more things over the next couple of years. Well, anyway, that's my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it, and remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it.